words, just listen carefully at this story that we the Lord would teach us through it. So. The Bible reading this morning is found in the first book of Samuel, chapter 20, verses 1 to the end of the chapter, found on page 230 in the Bibles in front of you. The passage is titled, David and Jonathan. Then David fled through Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Never, Jonathan replied, you are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? Isn't it so? But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favour in your eyes. And then he said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. So David said, Look, tomorrow is the new moon feast, and I am supposed to dine with the king. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. If your father misses me at all, tell him, David earnestly asks my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because an an annual sacrifice is being made there for his whole clan. If he asks, if he says, very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. As for you, shine kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? Never, Jonathan said, if I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? David asked, who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come, Jonathan said, let's go out into the field. So they went there together. Then Jonathan said to David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. If he is favourably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. But show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live, so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. Not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan and David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon feast. You will be missed because your seat will be empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, 
go to the place where you hid when this trouble began and wait by the stone Azil. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows are on this side of you, bring them here, then come, because as surely as the Lord lives, you are safe. There is no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then you must go because the Lord has sent you away. And about the matter you and I discussed, remember the Lord is witness between you and me forever. So David hid in the field, and when the new moon feast came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall, opposite Jonathan, and Abner sat next to Saul, but David's place was empty. Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse came to the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked for a permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I have found favour in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Saul's anger fled up at Jonathan and he said to him, your son, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. On that second day of the feast he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field to his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him and he said to the boy, Run and find the arrows I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrows had fallen, Jonathan called out after him. Isn't the arrow beyond you? Then he shouted, hurry, go quickly, don't stop. The boy picked up the arrows and returned to his master. The boy knew nothing about all of this, only Jonathan and David knew. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, go carry them back to town. After the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times, with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. 
Then David left and Jonathan went back to town. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, as uh, the stars shine in the sky, uh, we're asking for your beauty uh, to shine uh, in our hearts. Lord, that um, we might see uh, beautiful constellations. Lord, we, we need uh, your brightness, your truth, and uh, that the sun would fully rise uh, in our own hearts and lives that we might know and follow you, Lord. So yeah, work in us even now through this word, uh, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to concentrate today on looking at a choice that Jonathan had to make. Because Jonathan had to choose. Jonathan had his dad as king. King Saul, that was his dad. And he had to choose between his dad, who was king, and his friend, whom he loved, David. Saul had turned his back on God and um, rejected God. He was still hanging on to the kingship in a kind of way. I, I think of it almost like an empty shell because he's still got the kingship, but God's rejected him as king. The living creature's gone. There's, he's still holding on to the outward. But David actually has been anointed, secretly anointed as the new king. And now Jonathan's in between his dad and his dear friend David. So I'd like to look at chapter 19 and 20 to today. We're not going to read chapter 19, but in chapter 19, it's a story of Saul, the king, He's holding on to his kingship, wanting to kill David, who God had secretly anointed, or Samuel had secretly anointed to be king. So all through chapter 19, Saul's just after him. And, and in chapter 19, there's four escapes. The first escape, Jonathan helps David escape and convinces his dad just not to kill David. The... The second escape, um, there was just, the Saul is just trying to drive this javelin through David. <laughs> He's there, David's there playing the, his guitar and, um, and Saul is just filled with fury and jealousy against David because David's winning these victories at war and, and, and Saul can see how much fame he's getting and, and Saul is just filled with this jealousy and, and hatred. There's lots of ugly things going on. In Saul's heart, he had this sort of insane jealousy of David. And so in, in the second escape, Saul is just going to drive this javelin through him. 
and David ducks in it, the javelin goes into the wall. In the third escape, David's married to Saul's daughter, Michal, and Michal drops him through a, a window um, and drops him down and he, he runs out and he escapes because Saul was watching to kill him. And in the fourth escape is the one most bizarre of all where, where David goes to be with Samuel the prophet and, and Saul is wanting to kill him and he sends these men to go and get him and kill him but they're prophesying and the spirit comes on the, 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 the men and they start to prophesy and they can't get... And he does that three times. These men come to grab David and they, it's like the spirit of God comes on them and they just are undone. And last of all, when Saul sort of sees it's not working, he says, with his iron will, he says, well, I'm going to do it myself if you can't do it. So he goes, right at the end of chapter 19, and he goes, and he says, I'm going to um, kill him myself. And he goes where Samuel is with the prophets, and the Spirit of God comes on Saul himself, and he starts to prophesy. And in fact, he strips off his clothes, if you read it, and he lies day and night naked, prophesying, like it's just a disgrace. And it's, and it's like he, he's, he's got it in his, in his iron will, I'm just going to kill this guy, but his will doesn't prevail. God's will prevails. And then David goes to Jonathan after that, and he says, what's my crime? What's my crime? Why is your father trying to kill me? And Jonathan still thinks that he's sorted it all out between David and his, and his dad at that stage. And, and, and Jonathan says, never, that's, that's not going to happen. You, but but Jonathan, David says, look, your father knows, your father knows that, you, that I've found favour in your eyes and, and he's not going to tell you that he's got it in his heart to kill you. And so David says, well, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. Jonathan says to David, I'll do anything. And David says, well, this is the plan. This is the plan. I, I want you to tomorrow, I'm supposed to be at a feast with, with the king, with your dad. I'm supposed to be at a feast and, and it's the new moon feast. I'm supposed to be there. But I'm going to go and hide in a field. And when your dad asks, tell him that the reason I'm not there is that I had to, please excuse me, I had to go to Bethlehem, my hometown, where my clan is having a, a celebration, a sacrifice. Please excuse me. Now, if your dad, if Saul says, oh, no worries, then I'm safe and it's all cool. But if he loses it, then you can be sure that he's got it in his heart to kill me. And so that's what happens. Um, David says, well, how will, how, how will you tell me, how will you get the message to me that, that it's safe or not safe for me to come out of hiding? And so they come up with this archery routine. Jonathan says, come out into the field. Come out in the field with me. And as they're out in the field, Jonathan says to David, swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I, I, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out my father by this time tomorrow. And I will definitely let you, let you know. I'm making this, I'm swearing before God. I will let you know what the truth of it is. And 
he actually says, may the Lord be with you. This is Jonathan speaking to David. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. In other words, Jonathan's saying to David, I know that you're going to be king. May the Lord be with you as you have been with my father. And, and Jonathan says, do not ever cut off your kindness to my family. Jonathan's thinking of the future. He's thinking, David, when you come to the kingship, please do not ever cut off your kindness to my family when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies. And do you see, that's a statement of faith at the moment for Jonathan because he's looking and he's saying, I know, I know, David. At the moment, you're nobody, but one day you'll be king. And so Jonathan made David reaffirm the oath because they had already made a covenant to one another as brothers before the Lord. And it says that for out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. There was this great love between David and Jonathan. And, 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 and David said, and Jonathan said to David, now this is the way I'll get the message to you. If my dad loses it, when he discovers that you're not there, this is, this is what we'll do. You go and hide yourself by this stone and I'll shoot an arrow. I'll take a little boy with me. I'll shoot an arrow. And when I shoot the arrow, um, I'm going to tell the little boy to run and get the arrow. And if I say to the boy, no, it's on this side of you, come this side, uh, then bring it back to me. Then that will be a sign that everything's safe and everything's cool. You're fine. But if I shoot the arrow, David, and, and you're hiding behind the stone... And I say to the little boy, no, it's beyond you. The, the arrow is beyond you. Run, hurry. Uh, then you'll know that my dad has got murder in his heart to you. And you've got to go. You've got to get out as quick as you can. And so this is the way it panned out. That David was absent from the feast. And first night went by and Saul didn't say anything. He thought, oh, he must, must be unclean, ceremonially unclean. He mustn't be able to come. But then the second night, David was absent. And, and Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Jonathan, where is the son of Jesse? Where, where, where is David? And Jonathan said, well, he just asked me if he could go to Bethlehem for a, for a sacrifice. And Saul, remember his, Saul's, Saul's words? His anger flared up and he said, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother who bore you? And as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me for he must die. And so Saul just is full of rage. And Jonathan says, why put him to death? What has he done? But Saul heard, hurled a spear at Jonathan to kill him. Jonathan goes out and he's furious. Not furious because he was tried to be killed by his dad, but furious, it says, that his dad had, had treated David in such a shameful way. And so Jonathan does go out. Gets his bow and arrow next morning. I just wonder what's in his heart at that point. And um, David's hiding out there, the stone. And he takes a little boy with him. He shoots the arrow. 
and he yells to the little boy, hurry, go quickly, don't stop. Little boy, go, hurry, go quickly. It's beyond you, the arrow's beyond you. It's the message to David. You're in great danger. My dad does want to kill you. And so when the little boy is packed up, they must have decided at that moment that that was okay and it was safe. And so it says that when the little boy had gone back to town and carried the bow and arrow back to town, David came out from behind the stone and, and, and it says that he, he, he bowed down three times with his face to the ground. And they kissed each other and wept and David wept the most. And Jonathan said to David, go in peace for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. And David left and Jonathan went back to the town. So I want to say this morning two things from this passage. One thing about friendship and one thing about Jesus. One thing about friendship and the other thing about Jesus. Let me talk just for a moment about friendship. Because one of the most precious things that we can have in life is a committed friendship. Deep committed relationships. Do you know there is a danger on, in great danger in making friends? Because when you let them in, they can turn their back on you. They can let you down. And it can be almost unbearably painful. What is a friend? I think a friend is something that we are longing for. All of us are longing. Because David and Jonathan had this friendship. What, what is a friendship? A friend is someone who invites you all the way in and never lets you down. When you've got a true friend, you can just be yourself. You, you know that they won't reject you because they know you. You don't have to be pretend to be anyone else. You're just certain that they've got your back and you would trust them with your life. And that's a life-giving thing when there's a relationship, when there's a deep and committed friendship. And David and Jonathan had one of the deepest and richest friendships in all the Bible. Do you know they should have been natural enemies? Because Jonathan's dad was Saul and he had the kingship and that kingship was going to come to Jonathan. And so they should have been natural enemies because David David was rising as a king. So they should have been at total loggerheads with one another. They should have been enemies, but they loved each other as brothers. And many of the deepest longings, I think, of many of our hearts is that we long for a true friend, a strong friendship, a safe and a loving friendship. It says that Jonathan loved David as himself. Do you remember when Jonathan shot the arrows and he says, hurry, hurry, go quickly. The arrows are beyond you. David eventually, after the boy had gone, came out and it says that he bowed three times to the ground. 
And when they, three times to the ground, I just think he's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because do you see what's happening here? Jonathan could have said to David at that point, things are fine, just things are totally fine. Come back with me, come back to the palace and we'll be cool. And then they would have killed David and guess what? David, Jonathan would have had the throne. I mean, Jonathan had everything to lose and nothing to gain by, by, by telling, warning David. He had everything to lose and nothing to gain. He, he was going to lose his kingship. He was the next to the throne. But, but, but he loved David. And, and when David comes out, he, he, it says that David wept more. Why? Do you know when, when someone just loses everything for you, for your safety, and does everything, and they're not gaining anything. That's very moving. That's very, very powerful. And David wept more. It's not a situation of them saying, oh, I'm in this friendship and I'm going to see what I can get out of it. I'll just see what I can get out of it. It wasn't like that. It wasn't one of those relationships where you just sort of get something out of it. It was that they loved one another and it was deeper. It was a commitment under God that this is my friend. I'll do anything. I'll lose everything. Many, many times I've heard people say, in my life everyone has let me down. Every, little, every single person has, has let me down. And do you know what? We do let each other down. And I know I'm guilty of that and you are too. David and Jonathan are pointing to us towards an ideal friendship. A beautiful, beautiful friendship. They had a covenant covenant with each other that it in itself points to a covenant of God with us he would never ever let us down but I want to say something about Jesus lastly I just want to say something about friendship so I said that but just I want to say something about Jesus here because David was a shadow of Jesus. What do I mean by that? Do you know right now I'm casting a shadow? That's not me, that's my shadow. The reality is here, you're casting a shadow as well. We, we have a shadow. A- and David was a shadow of Jesus. A thousand years later, the reality was born. The, the, the real king, the fulfillment. David was a failure in the end. But the the, the reality, the real fulfilment of true kingship was born in in Jesus. Do you remember the people crying out from the road? Jesus, son of David. Why do they call him son of David? It's because they're recognising that this is the one. This is the fulfilment of all that was ever promised. And... And, and David was secretly anointed by Samuel. He was the anointed king. He was not enthroned yet. He wasn't enthroned yet. And in a similar way, 
The, the word Christ, have you ever, ever wondered why we call him Jesus Christ? The word Christ means anointed. He's the anointed. He's the true anointed. And, and just, do you know that, that David had been secretly anointed by Samuel, but he wasn't yet enthroned, and, and no one recognised him, him as the coming king, except perhaps Jonathan, and David was hunted by Saul for years, <laughs> long before David ever got to the throne. He was trying to kill him, and he was hunted down. Eventually, after much suffering and rejection, he was enthroned in, as king, and in the same way, <laughs> Jesus... No one recognised him as king and he was hunted down. Not only hunted down, but he was crucified. He was rejected. And it took a long time until he rose again and enthroned as king. But he won't be celebrated totally as king until he comes comes again. Now... So I want you to see the parallel between David and Jesus. Because Jesus is the true anointed king. And now we are in the situation of Jonathan. I'll tell you what we mean, what I mean. (laughs) Here's Jonathan. Will I choose my dad? Will I choose my dad's way? He's rejected God, but he holds the throne. Will I choose my dad? And that way I'll get the throne. Or will I choose God's anointed, David, my dear friend whom I love? Will I choose him? Do you know if Jonathan chooses his dad, he's basically choosing himself. He's choosing that I want my throne. (laughs) I will have my throne. And therefore, I can have authority. I can have power. I can have the women I want. I can have the armies I want. I'll have the land I want. I will get my own pleasures. I will rule my life. I will choose my throne. I will choose me. I'm choosing me. That's what Jonathan's got to decide. Or will he say, actually, no, I'm going to choose God's anointed. I can see that God has anointed this one. I'll choose him. Uh, I'll take off my robes like he did, like Dale taught us last week. He took off and his sword and his spear and he gives it. Gives the authority away. He gives his throne away. Gives his rights away. Many people, many people choose, many people choose to sit on the throne of their lives. They will hold on to their life and they want to get God out of their life. They, they, they will say, I will get my own pleasure and God, I can't trust God to give me any pleasure. He, he won't look after me. He won't provide for my needs. I need to do my thing. I need to stay pursuing all the wealth that I can get. I need to stay pursuing all the friends that I can get. I will get whatever sexual needs I need. I'll get whatever drug needs. I'll get whatever pleasures and comforts and I will rule my life. I am choosing my own life and I will rule. I will stay on the throne of my life. But Jonathan says, no, I'm choosing God's anointed king. Uh, uh, uh. Jonathan's saying, David, 
I love you more than I love the throne. I, 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 love, I love the fact that you could rule over me. I, I love the fact that you're the one. I see greatness in you. I see your greatness. I want you, David, to be the ruler over me and over the kingdom. In other words, Jonathan is surrendering all his authority, all his identity, all his throne, all his life, and he's saying, David, you have it. Gladly surrendered. So this is my question to you. It's a very serious question. Are you holding on to your own life with white knuckles like Saul? Are you... Do you know that the, the, the terrible danger of that is that Saul spiralled down. He spiralled down. Evil spirits tormenting him. He filled with hate, alienated from his family. He spiralled down and crashed and burned because he held on to his life. Just holding on. I, I'm, I'm going to rule my own, run my own. And, and I, so I'm asking you, Jesus is the anointed king. Are you going to stay on the throne of your life, just ruling? You will do. Is there anything that you're just holding on to and saying, no, that's mine. I will not let him rule over me in that area. God is calling, brothers and sisters, God is calling us to surrender, to trust him. Like Jonathan trusted David to be a good king, to one who ruled over him. God is calling us to say yes to the anointed one who is Christ. He will rule over me. I don't have to, I don't have to provide for myself. Jonathan said, David, my pleasure actually is not in that throne. My pleasure is in you. My delight is in you and you to be my king. Jesus gave up everything. Jesus gave up his throne. Jesus went to the cross and gave up everything. And he's calling us to give up everything. Do you remember Mark chapter 8.35 that we mentioned last week, I think, as well? Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's Jesus speaking. And he he says this crazy thing to us. Whoever would save their life. If you're going to say, Jonathan says, I'm going to save my life. I'm going to have my dad's throne. I'm going to save my life. Jesus says, you're going to lose it. You'll lose your life. Why are you hanging on to your life? You're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life, if you give up and say, Lord, I'm giving my life to you, you reign over me, you rule over me, then Jesus says, you gain it. You gain life. You gain it. And so God is calling us, saying, oh, I want you to have life. But to have life, you've got to lose it. You've got to have the anointed king ruling over you. David and Jonathan made a covenant and God was their witness. Do you remember, and Dale taught us this last week, I think, that do you remember that on the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus sat with his disciples and he says, this is my blood in the new covenant. This is my blood of the new covenant. 
In other words, what Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm offering you this friendship. I'm offering you to come all the way in and I'll never, ever let you down. I will look after you if you, if you let me rule over you. I'll let you all, come all the way in. I'm, I'm offering myself on the cross and I will never, ever let you down. It's offering us an unbreakable relationship with unchangeable commitment because we... We, only Christ in the end, would never ever let us down. Others will let us down, but Jesus, no. And so, this morning, I'm presenting to you this choice that Jonathan had to make. The choice of just going with the Saul option, where you hold on to your own life, you grab on to your own throne, you provide yourself with your own pleasures and there's fear and destruction in that. Or do we say, Lord Jesus, you are the anointed king. I love you more than my own throne. I believe that you are to be trusted to provide for me in every single way. You have given up your throne for me and I give up my life to you. Please, Lord, rule over me. And you know what? As we do that, he makes this deep and binding covenant with us that he will never, ever break. He will hold you fast in his arms. Never, ever drop you, hold you. He will be your king a faithful king. Pray. Lord, please, please, Lord, may, may we know what it is to not hold on to our lives. We're so tempted, Lord, just to hold on, just to hold on. And it leads nowhere. But please, Father, would you so work in our hearts that we would be like Jonathan and we would surrender our throne and our safety and our, our independence to the true anointed king who is Jesus. And Lord, would you give us joy in you yeah, as we know you as our king. In Jesus' name, amen.